the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Football, football, more football. Slow time of year. Slow time of year. All year round, baby. Football, it never Never stops. One last thing on UNLV football. We're just hitting uh, the new offensive coordinator for the Rebels. So right now at UNLV, they've got a a new AD, right? Feeling good about that. The glamour program at the school, the Runner Rebels. Turning the corner a bit here, right? Could make a run. Sure. Got to close things out. You got two really tough games and then a complete trap game at New Mexico. Be nice to at least go two and one split with the top two teams. Try not to go one and two. Definitely don't want to go 0 and three. But the glamour program at the school, the Rebels, Runner Rebels, are looking good. The women's team is out of control. They're great. You're coming up on a baseball and softball season where they just started, but both are top three expectations in the conference. Lots of the Olympic sports have achieved at a pretty high level. Do you think it cranks things up at all for the football program in terms of expectations? Because I think everyone in the in the market was pretty, or lots of people were pretty understanding. You know, the you know come out winless for the longest time that was frustrating. But a lot of close games and they fought hard. And there was only a couple of games where you watch. You're like, come on, you know, the Reno game was disappointing, and and obviously the Air Force game was not good. Iowa State they got kind of boat raced. But do you think success at the school, but especially with the running rebels, starts to turn up the the intensity a little bit, perhaps. But I mean, I, I think any kind of modicum of success is viewed as uh, viewed as a success with football. So, what success this year coming up? I mean, when I saw the schedule and the locations and the timing, and I, you know, I don't love Air Force back to back with Notre Dame and San Diego State and Fresno involved in that block, but I said. I think five wins has to be realistic. I mean, that was kind of in my mind, like five, four or five, but five which is, is probably it. Which is a big jump up yeah, from where they've been the last couple of years. I mean, Sanchez was right on the verge of that multiple times. And I think they're recruiting at a higher level. The facilities are beautiful. They've got a, got, uh, they've got a lot of good returnees. So, I don't know. I, I just wonder what people are thinking right now if they're feeling a little bit. I mean, I, I could definitely – I can see the buzz around the runner Rebels is – way ahead of where it was a month ago. Sure. Right? Like, I, a lot of people were, and it was Reno last night, but a lot of people were fired up on social media. Yeah. I, and, yeah, and it's being on TV and playing Reno and all those all those factors, and obviously Bryce Hamilton playing at the level that he's playing at, and um, the time of year, right? It's right after the Super Bowl is when people really start to focus on college basketball, and I think eyes are, eyes are turned in that direction, and this is the time that they're playing well and getting people excited, but they have to take advantage of that by, you know, playing well in the conference tournament. It's not really going to matter how they play in the last couple of regular season games, right? If they're if they're uh, if they falter down the stretch here and then have to play on Wednesday with a seed six on down, and they don't make it to the final eight, that's not good. No, and depends on what the quarters matchup is. I mean, if it's San Diego State, I still expect them in their home building, healthier, to solve some of the the riddles that they had they were not able to solve against San Diego State. Yeah, I and possibly so. win the game if they if they lose. I mean, is it you know is it devastating? No, but they can also put themselves in a position to make sure they're 
not playing that first day and that they're locking up a matchup against maybe San Diego State or Colorado State. Yeah, not obviously. But you're yeah. right. If it, it, it all, you know, all momentum is kind of dropped if you falter down the stretch and then you lose on Wednesday of the Mountain West Conference tournament. Yeah, and you just don't. I mean, obviously, you just don't want to be playing Wednesday, but no. um, if you lost Wednesday, that would be terrible. Be, that would be seen as a bad year, honestly. Uh, it would erase a lot of the, yeah. the positive that they've developed because that would be, in all likelihood, it would be a 6 11 game. Yeah. And at 11, you're but talking about San, San Jose, Jose State, State yeah. that's won one game. Yeah. You can't you can't lose that game if no. if you if you end yeah, up. I, in it, I mean, I actually it. I think at this, I mean, if they go two and one, if they can split with Boise and Wyoming and they win at New Mexico, they're at eleven and seven. They'll be the five seed. Yeah, yeah, and that's so that's get important. the work done coming up. Yeah, get finish out the season the way that you want to. The continue the momentum going to the going to the playoffs with or going to the tournament with a positive attitude and a, a better seed and a better matchup and see what you can do there. I don't think you're the only person into it, but I know you're one of the only people I know who's into it. The USFL and the draft. So you sent over a note today and you're like, Paxton Lynch was one of the last quarterbacks selected. You don't mention Case Cookus? Well, I mentioned it so much in text that it kind of... We, we Last night in a group text, we were planning a April 16th opening day viewing party. <laughs> we are fired up. So what's going on, on April 16th? Opening day, I believe, is okay. the day. Right. I don't know if – I would assume it's a doubleheader. I hope it's a four-game four, four, game, four game slate in the USFL. Give me all the teams playing. First of all, they're playing in the same city. so um. You know what? I, I, I know nothing about this league, and I was going to ask you, are there some good road trips? But apparently not. Well – There's one road trip. They're playing in Mobile, I believe, or Birmingham, somewhere in Alabama. So I'll go back. So the are there is, any good road no. trips? <laughs> the answer is no. No. But I'm I'm into it. I'm gonna watch it. Can't wait. Michigan Panthers. It's a twelve game schedule, and Michigan's gonna go eight and eight. It's almost a guarantee. I don't think that math adds up. But the joke is that Jeff Fisher is the coach of Michigan. So even at, oh, even boy. with even with twelve games, I think they're going eight and eight. Even with twelve games, yeah. So Case Cookus. Why? Why do we care about Case Cookers? Can you remind people? Well, he was he was with the Raiders for a little bit. Showcase that showcase that arm strength. Was that the game at the end of uh, the preseason when they were like, "Oh, he's going to get some playing time," and then Peterman got every single freaking snap. Basically, well, they didn't need Cookus. Okay, yeah, Peterman. It was the Peterman. He's show. a Northern Arizona guy. Yeah. Um, he got drafted by Philly. Oh, better perform. <laughs> he's actually a TO guy too. Thousand yeah. Oaks. Sure. So, all right. A lot of lot of ability. A lot of talent. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Paxton Lynch is around. A lot of a lot of great talent. You're running talent. out of steam here. You're running a out of A lot of material. great talent. Paxton Lynch and uh, I mean, there's guys. I mean, there does need to be a, a minor league of some decent level for guys to play. In. Yeah, and I think the the thing in, and it was announced that it's not a minor league for the NFL. It's not right. like a, a developmental league, but they do have an, an agreement where I think they're going to try out a lot of the new rules in the XFL. The NFL is going to say, "Hey, these are some experimental rules that we want to put in place. You put them in place." Uh, see how they work with you guys in the XFL. So that is ex- that, that is a very, I think, important aspect of this. And this just happened the last couple of days where, you know, if you are an NFL fan, there are reasons to watch, even if you're you know not into watching these players, which they're very talented players. But you say, OK, I want to see how some of these experimental rules work out. I mean, we saw it um, with uh, where were they doing in the in the senior bowl or the uh, the shrine game here. 
in town. They had some of the rules that could potentially be used in the NFL. The Pro Bowl did it too, where they used some of those potential experimental rules. Obviously, there was no contact in that game, so it was different. But uh, I think some of the things that they could try out, which, you know, overtime, you know, potential overtime solutions and, and things like that, watch it and see how they work out and see how they might play at the next level. More on what's going on with the quarterbacks at the highest level and potential movement. But first, giveaway time. Two tickets for the Pennzoil 400. That's Sunday. That's our race weekend here at LVMS. March 6th, two tickets to the Pennzoil 400, the Sunday race. NASCAR weekend, you get three days of racing, March 4th to the 6th. Get all your info, but especially the tickets if you don't win these at LVMS.com. It's caller 7364-1100. Two tickets to the big Sunday race. Race weekend, NASCAR here in Vegas. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. There's nothing cryptic about gratitude. I just came out of a 12-day cleanse. You know, you're not working out, you're not straining or anything. It's kind of a recentering. So when I come out, my first thought is, just intense gratitude for the people in my life. You are listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, bro. Hey, Raj. Sends out a cryptic message. He knows what it looked like. He knows what he was saying. Cut it out. Stir the pot and then act like you don't understand why everyone's getting all worked up. Uh, quarterback topics around the league are freaking sizzling right now because there's so many teams that want to upgrade with quarterbacks or simply don't have a quarterback or have to make the transition to the next quarterback, which makes the guys who are kind of the tweeners completely fascinating. Completely fascinating. Guys like Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz. Yeah, but it sounds and, like... And they're going to have suitors. Like, while, you know, if, if they're gone from... And it sounds like, were you going to say, with the Colts are moving on? Colts are moving on and Vikings probably aren't. The Vikings probably aren't. If Cousins were available, all of the warts that you hear about from their current organization, many of them go bye-bye when other organizations like, God almighty, we need a quarterback, and we'll take that guy with the warts. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, like people know it. And it, it seems it's tough because when you talk about quarterbacks, all too often people don't talk about the most important part, which is salary and contract. Like, a lot of teams would, would actually like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins isn't any bad player. He's probably a top half of the league quarterback. But with that contract, he's not. He's one of the least desirable quarterbacks in the league because of the contract. So there are teams that would look at him and say, you know what, we could make that work. We would take a top half of the league guy. But the contract is disqualifying. Uh, so, so way too often I hear people fail to put that part into the equation when they're when they're talking about quarterbacks and who would fit where but there are like all of these guys that could potentially be on the move and could go somewhere else and could fit somewhere else and and could make sense even from a contractual standpoint but then there's a lot of teams that aren't going to want to move on from their quarterback because it's hard to find somebody new that's the situation the Raiders have been in for so long if you have say Derek Carr is the 12th best quarterback in the league it's really tough to move on from that guy if you don't find one of the top 11. Like, that becomes a very difficult proposition. So while we go into this offseason expecting there's going to be all these moves, there could be a lot less than we think. Or there could be a total musical chairs, which would be very fun. 
Do you think that's likely? No. Exactly. No. But it'd be fun. I mean, it's fun to talk about for the next two or three weeks. Dare to dream. Yeah. The funny thing is it almost never happens in the NFL, which it probably should from the player's standpoint in a lot of cases. A lot more of these guys, especially a quarterback, should be testing free agency. My God, yeah. if Derek Carr could get out right now of his contract. He'd make a lot more money. He'd be in great shape because you'd yeah. have four or five teams making a run at him and probably ready to give him and maybe worth of, what, 100 mil guaranteed and like 35 or 40 million a year. And maybe the Raiders are. Like, I think the the, the almost sure thing with Derek Carr is he is not going to play this year on that contract. And he can't. I don't blame him. Yeah, you know, I've I seen some. I've seen some Raiders blogs who, and again, outside of the one dude, uh, Jordan Schultz, who we think – is more sourced from the T. McDaniels, we think. Sure. He's the one who put out last week, uh, Derek Carr is looking for a contract in the $35 million or higher range. Has that been sourced from anyone else? No, but I mean, I... I mean, it's likely that's yeah, the number. Yeah, true. It doesn't sound outrageous. I mean, if it was $48 million a year, okay, then we'd be like... 40 seems outrageous. $5 million a year seems outrageous. 40 seems outrageous to me. But 35 isn't? 35 to me is outrageous, um, but it's probably a market. I would say if I was the Raiders, I would look at him and say $30 million a year for two years, take it or leave it. Add it on to this deal. So it's really like a I mean, I would, I would like to do that. I don't would think you guarantee would. all of it? No. But I don't think you would. You wouldn't guarantee three years on no. like $80 million? No. Really? No. But I, I don't think he would take it. I don't think he would take that deal. And yeah, I would. I would say I want this year. <laughs> I want this year included to so make it three years, uh, for you know, because this year is about nineteen, so it'd be three years and seventy nine. Uh, I don't think he would take that. But that's that would be my final offer. That's all I would do. I wouldn't go any higher than that. Because as you, as I've said to you, I believe this is a perfect time to rebuild this this yeah. whole thing. I mean, we don't agree on that. Um, but but you understand it is risky to move on a quarterback if you don't have your next guy in place. Although you're talking about stripping it totally down. Yeah, and I'm, I think. But, you, but I'll tell you what: if you sign if you sign a quarterback at this age to a bad deal and it falters, and Cousins is actually it's paid off. He hasn't been terrible, but in the end they didn't win enough, and the whole regime went bye bye. So you you know you you put your you put your eggs in that one quarterback basket who's kind of that you know number eight to number fourteen guy, and you don't win. It's yeah. going to cost you your job. But my plan is to get players at every other position to stockpile picks, stockpile talent everywhere else, and then two years from now, you draft a guy and sign a free agent, and you have both a veteran that you trust and a and a, a rookie that you can develop, and you drop him into a team that's loaded with talent everywhere else, and that's how you build. And that that would be my plan for the Raiders right now. Now I don't know that they're going to do that. In fact, I don't think they're going to do it. But that's that's what I would be doing right now. So if we're going to really do this, are you scouting quarterbacks right now? Future quarterbacks? Like, of course. Are, are you in the eighth grade and freshman database? <laughs> no. that's what you're talking about. It's like two years from now. What are you talking about? That's a good point. It'd be, so like, it's, it's, like, it's like junior It's like ju- it's junior quarterback. College freshman. Because they come out after their junior year. No, it's a junior quarterback. Junior in high school. No. That's like six years from is now. There, is there another Manning kid that you're like, that's that's who we're going to build sure. around? No, I'm, I'm looking at like freshman, freshman quarterbacks in college. They have to play two more years. That's who I'm looking You're not at. Actually, right now. doing this, we know that. No, that's what I would be doing if that was my plan for if the Raiders to rebuild. Sure, okay. if that was my job, that's what I'd be doing. All right, I get it. I'm not looking at seventh grade. I'm not trying to rebuild for twelve years from now. Two years. 
You just want that rookie deal quarterback. Yeah. Who's going to be awesome right out of the gates because that happens all the time. That's not what I said. I just said you you build the talent everywhere else. You sign a veteran that you trust that can lead the team and and take a shot on a rookie. I would, in fact, I'd be starting to draft rookie quarterbacks right now. Late in the draft, take a shot on a quarterback. Why not? Oh, you would? Yeah. No, I'm not drafting in the first or second round, but I'll, I'll use some late picks on quarterbacks and see what you got, see what you can develop out of some of those guys. Sure. Should Chris Ballard be doing that? He doesn't really have time, does he? No, because that that's in, that team's in a different place. That team, I believe, was the best team in the AFC. Except for Carson Wentz. And he, when he was good, he was good. But when yeah. he, like, he had weird struggles and he had injury struggles this year that, that cost him quite a bit. But when he's playing at a high level, he's very good. But, yeah, I, I mean, that team is a team that needs to go for it now. Their window could be closing. The Raiders could they could have their window closing if they go all in. But I would be trying to build for the future. What do you think would happen? I mean, they got a new regime here in town. What do you think would happen with Raiders fans if they had done the deal for Carson Wentz and traded away that draft stock to only cut him the next year? Like, I, I don't know how intense Colts fans are. I but, only know a couple. But as you – Like, Raiders fans' heads would explode if they had made a Wentz deal. And then the next year, you're like, yeah, we're getting rid of him. And, and, and they would have. But think about it. If they would have given up their first-round pick last year, it would have been Leatherwood. So, like, you don't think about those things. You always just assume first-round picks are going to be unbelievable talents right. that are going to be great. Like, if you tell me right now you could have a year for Wentz for Leatherwood, I'd, I'd probably be, like, okay with it. Yeah, but that's assuming you're going to be crappy in the draft, so you can never right. Assume but that. what I'm saying is, you don't you don't know. You want to you want to stockpile picks. You want to have a lot of picks. You want to make good picks. But I think all too often people just assume a first round pick is a slam dunk. It's it's like people that it's it's the same. And I was actually talking with a really hardcore analytics guy about this uh, at the Super Bowl. But one of the factors that people always they always say take the three points when you're talking about field goals. As if field goals are 100% made. Like, it, they're 100% of the time you're going to make it. Like, that's not what happens. It's like it's, it's like around 90%, even less if it's from farther out. So you're you're not just taking three points. There is a risk in trying to kick a field goal. Just like you're not just guaranteeing a first-round pick is going to be awesome. You you could have had – you could have traded a first-round pick for a quarterback, and it would have been Alex Leatherwood. And, and in this case, in retrospect, you don't know that when you're looking forward, but in retrospect – Probably would have been an okay trade for you. On the quarterback front, who's lying more, Texans or Steelers? So Texans, talking about Deshaun Watson, they said, you know, we're good right now with Davis Mills, depending on how this works out. Or are the Steelers lying even more? Kevin Colbert, who's retiring as a GM, maybe he's just like throwing stuff at the wall. He's like, I'm not going to be here. I don't care. Said if they had to start the season with Mason Rudolph, they're okay because he's 5-4-1 and one when he plays. <laughs> We, I think we heard uh, former Steeler Ryan Clark say all we needed to hear about that. He slammed him. <laughs> um, I almost got one of those bets that I love to make when people say something stupid on the, the show or they say it on social media where it's so extreme and you're like, okay, now you're being dumb. So Danny, one of our remote techs, says if Mason Rudolph is the quarterback, their number should be three and a half. And I'm like, I'll bet it right now. Their win total? Yep. I'll take the over. Of course. And I think Mason Rudolph it, is I, a I think disaster. He's terrible. Yeah. But the Steelers' defense alone. Tomlin's never had a losing season. Yeah, they're not winning two games. No. I'll take the over. So he backtracked. He should. Should I? He, well, he was saying he doesn't think it'll be Mason Rudolph, but should we make it 
with the condition that if it's not Mason Rudolph, then the bet's off. That, that's what you Mason Rudolph do, has sure. to start game one. Because I'll even roll the dice on that one that maybe he starts game one and they have a better quarterback behind him who right. just happens to be hurt that's for the first would, game. I'll take that. I'll say Mason Rudolph, Rudolph has to start at least 12 games. How high would you go right now with the Steelers' win total if Mason if, if the bet is Mason Rudolph's going to be the starter? Five and a half? I was going to say six. Okay. Six and a half. So I've got a, ga- I've got a cushion of two and a half wins, two wins. Sure. But Danny won't make the bet for some reason. Well, tell, Am I intimidated? Say Mason Rudolph has to start every game. Well, no, you can't do that. Why? Because he could get injured. He could start 14 and 17. It right. still counts. That's He's right. He's a well, quarterback. This is also, you're getting three and a half, which is a ridiculous number. Uh, we just mentioned Deshaun Watson, and I think we have some development here. I'm not sure. This is why we're aligned with our buddy Justin Watkins, because I honestly I have no clue what the hell is happening anymore. Who, I think I who do. Watson, who, you, you think you do? I have le- I have my, my law degree under Mr. Watkins, and I feel like I know what this means. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Let's do it. Justin is here. All right, let's first of all explain what the latest is with Deshaun Watson. Because, like I said, I'm getting lost on this whole thing. Adam, so you said you. Do you want me to you, offer you, the you, legal you, perspective on this? Well, let's I think do you it. should tell the audience the story first, and then we'll get the legal expert from or the legal expertise from both of you. So we know that Deshaun Watson is awaiting a word on whether the DA is going to actually file criminal charges against him. He's got the uh, all the all the accusations, all the lawsuits that are filed civilly against him that are going on right now. And his attorneys were trying to push the depositions back beyond a certain date when they've been told they believe the DA is going to make a decision on whether or not to file charges. The reason this is important, Mr. Watkins, in my opinion, from my extensive legal training from you, is that he will now have to answer questions potentially that could then be used against him in the criminal case. So now he will have to plead the fifth in these depositions in the civil cases. And why is that important? Uh, Uh-oh. well, it would be important because, I mean, that, that, that would be used. I don't know. I mean, it could be used against him. Even if it can't be used against him criminally, it could be used against him civilly. That's the right and they answer. Could say, oh, wow. They could say, Hey, you pled the fifth to these, to these questions. So there, you know, there is something there. Right. Exactly. Right. So in, in a civil case, it, in a criminal case, they can't use your right to remain silent, remain silent or pleading the fifth against you in court they can't tell the jury hey we asked him this question and he took the fifth right. in civil court in front of the jury they say we asked him this question and what did he say he said i take the fifth and what can you imply by that <laughs> you can imply that the answer was criminal and so the question we asked what could be a criminal response to this question other than an admission that what we asked was true so you get to you get to go all in to the jury on what to imply from a witness the defendant taking the fifth uh, pleading the fifth and remaining silent as to that issue so it it is important um but conversely aren't they just trying to get this ruling so that they could force a settlement because there's no way he's going to go and plead the fifth. I don't know about that. Now, I mean, <clears throat> they all know what the threat is, right? The threat is, hey, he's going to plead the fifth. 
And Rusty Harden's probably saying, yeah, but he's not going to plead the fifth forever. You know, one day, a couple months from now. So you're going to take this deposition. And then a couple months from now, when no criminal charges are pressed, guess what? We're going to amend our answers to written discovery. We're going to tell his side of the story. So it's not that. so it's not as clear cut as <laughs> you think it's going to that's be. That's second year, Justin Watkins. No, no, no. <laughs> so, like, I mean, here's the thing. Once the idea of criminal charges is taken off the table, you don't have the right to plead the fifth anymore. Now, this, what case did we talk about this on? I don't remember. This is the Bill Cosby case. Okay, right. Right? So they said, we are not going to prosecute you criminally, and therefore he got his deposition taken, and he had to answer the questions. And then later they came back and said, ha no, we're going to charge you criminally. <laughs> and the the obviously the Supreme right. Court of Pennsylvania said, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can't do that. Right. You can't do That's that. That's why he's out. That's why he's out. Yeah. So what you would do if you're Rusty Hard, and you say, okay, yeah, you're going to get your Fifth Amendment responses congratulations but they're not permanent right the only way that's permanent is if he gets charged criminally in this case in which case yeah okay you've got the fifth amendment that you could present to the jury but you know what frankly that's the least of my client's worries right he's worried about jail at that point boy you got kind of stumped there no kind of went off the tracks a little bit. i thought we were Sorry switching to something else okay uh justin Watkins with us five seven oh nine thousand is a number battleborn injury lawyers uh, that Cowboys case that came out last week. Does the NFL need to look into the Cowboys secret payoff for the voyeurism? I think they're doing the right thing by staying out of it. Right. Number one, the parties resolved it. It's a settlement. It's what is it? it's over a decade, right? It's over a decade old. There's there's no way if if you were to say you're gonna do an investigation on this, it would be one hundred percent a PR stunt. It would not actually be made to find the truth. Because the witnesses, the information, the documents are all so old. This is why statute of limitations exist, right? Is because things get old, memory changes, people, you know, their stories change, their perceptions change, and it's not as reliable as it would be within, uh, you know, most times, most statute of limitations are two years. Some go to three, four. Now, with criminal sex crimes, we have across the nation kind of lifted those. And that's because actually the witnesses get better with age there because they've been able to go through therapy and able to like come to terms with what's happened to them. And they can actually like talk about it. Whereas in every other type of case, the witnesses get worse as time goes on. Memories don't get better. They get worse. Um, and, and so I, I think they're doing the right thing, even though they'll probably take some hits for not doing this investigation. But I think it's the right move. You're consistent on that. That they overextend themselves. Yes. I mean, unless unless there's something in particular within your purview. I mean, I think this is in their purview. It if, it, if it was happening now, this is workplace stuff. Sure. That's within their purview. It's not criminal stuff. It's workplace stuff. It's relevant. Um, but again, the parties resolved it. Now, if they were to do an investigation, it'd probably be like, oh, wait. You guys did know about this. <laughs> they actually told you they had reached a settlement and they let you know because they included you on the release to ensure that nobody came after you later. So they probably already knew. Oh, wait. I got those emails of those photos. <laughs> That's, That's right. not good. This That's is not right. a good investigation. Yeah. We, we shut this down now. Right. Let's get a couple of questions on Brian Flores, Dolphins coach, former, uh, now Steelers coach, who sued. I was going to say the NFL, but in the end, was it the NFL? Yeah, he sued the NFL. So it was the Broncos, the Dolphins, and the Giants, along with the NFL. Uh, one of the beat reporters down there said, I'm no expert on contract and law jargon. I'll stay in my lane. 
one major question how do you sign a fully guaranteed contract and then not get your money when they fire you okay so should have stayed in his lane uh because that's not an accurate portrayal of what was being said here now this is complicated because both sides in public statements have made uh, an art of saying something that's technically true, but does not specifically apply to this case. So, for instance, um, they said that, hey, they asked Brian Flores to sign the separation agreement. He wouldn't sign the separation agreement, the separation. And so he could continue to talk about it. So the separation agreement had a confidentiality, it had an NDA, it had a non-disparagement clause. It had all these different things. And he left millions on the table by not signing this separation agreement, which led to this reporter saying, wait a minute, he didn't get paid his fully guaranteed contract? Because then his attorney said, you know, if you sign these things, even if you've got years left on your contract, they won't give it to you unless you sign these NDAs. Two different things a separation agreement that is being offered for money, separate money than the contract, right? You you have your guaranteed contract, that money's gonna be paid. Hey, we understand that you are discontented with what went on here and that you may pursue a claim. We're gonna pay to settle up that claim now as part of this separation agreement. Let bygones be bygones. You don't talk about me and I don't talk about you. A little bit different than an NDA. Okay, a little bit, although it does have a non-disclosure aspect to it and a non-disparagement point to it, too, because why would you settle a claim if the dude's just going to go out there and defame you, right? Like, it's it's pointless. But then to say his attorney then took it and twisted it off of this case and made it untrue. You, there may be situations, this isn't it, but there may be situations in which they hold it over your head of a guaranteed contract and say, uh, we think we've got some reasons not to you, but let's just sign this separation agreement and we'll drop our claims. You drop your claims. You get the rest of your contract. That could happen, but that's not what happened here. Then the dolphin said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We never asked him to sign a non-disparagement agreement. We never did any non-disclosure agreement. Technically, it was a separation agreement, Right. Did it contain a confidentiality? Of course it contained a confidentiality, a non-disclosure. Did it contain a non-disparagement? Of course it contained a non-disparagement. So they took something that's true. We asked for a separation agreement, basically a settlement agreement. And then when they twisted it to to turn it to untrue is that we didn't ask for an NDA. Of course you did. As part no, of it. As part of it. Of course you did. It would be, your attorney would be co- committing malpractice if he didn't include that as a part of separation agreement in any offer. So, um, you know, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're sort of trying to educate the public on how contract law works in the most favorable light to them that actually is not applicable to this case. Justin Watkins, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, is a real attorney, but then also plays the role of mediator in Cofield and Company fantasy beefs and Cofield and Company betting beefs. So I got one for you. Okay. I'm so, actually a real mediator too, by the way. Okay. <laughs> well, this is much more valuable. Okay. Uh, yeah. To us. The day the Flores get fired, I noticed there were a bunch of stories out, of course, from unsourced people, because everyone's media now. And they're like, here are the places that will hire Brian Flores as a head coach. And I'm like, he's not getting a job. He's not getting a job. He's done. Adam Candy and I on that day make the bet. 
yes or no, he'll be a head coach. He'll be hired this offseason as a head coach. Okay. I win. I had the no, right? Okay. Now, Candy, backed by this jabroni, Adam Hiller saying, no, no. The, not, not fully backed. No, no, the, the, the bet is voided because he sued the NFL. Like, what? wait, what? What I said was there's no way I would have made that bet. That's why I make conditions on bets all the time. Obviously, Brian Flores may have gotten a job if he had not sued the NFL. He didn't. But that's not what you it were really betting. It plays into my storyline. Right, that's that was my whole storyline. Right. But I said, As an based on the bet, guy, based on the bet, a job. based on the bet, he should have paid you. But it's it's a bet that should never been allowed to be made. Okay, so, is my right. point. so technically, you're on my side. So, right. so it, the entire it show be is allowed on my to side. be made. You guys are, are are really close to a legal principle. The answer is Watch Steve wins. Steve wins. Yes. Steve's correct. But we're very close to what's called frustration of purpose. And that is that some action beyond the parties and beyond the party's control or anticipation happens in a way to prevent whatever the action is from actually happening. There's this famous case that we study in law school about, and I think I've actually talked about it before, about the coronation of a new king that's happening in England in like, I don't know, 15 or 1600s, right? And a, a person buys out another person's flat that overlooks the parade area so that they can go watch the coronation well the person dies or something happens and there's no coronation and the guy's like well tough you know you paid me so i get paid and and what the court said is there was such a frustration of the purpose the whole idea behind it was the coronation and that can't happen now if he had sued in a way that prevented him from being a head coach as like a matter of fact like he could not be hired then I would say there is no bet. Nobody wins. But he sued, but he could still be hired as a head coach. And he has been hired. And he ha that's yeah. not a head coach. We but know that he wasn't going to get he hired. He got hired. No, I don't think we know that. I don't think we knew like, that. What, as a, my example, it was close to what you're saying in a way. My example was, okay, you make the bet. He's not going to get hired as a head coach. And Flores dies. Like, yeah. are you still saying you win because he didn't get hired? Like, that's nuts. It's nuts to not have conditions on a that, bet like that. Well, that goes to the point that it's impossible, right? There's an right. impossibility of the contract. But when he okay, sued, he's know, out, it's not but impossible. But we know practically no, there's zero so. chance. I don't think so. The, okay, every report, and I don't know how much this would hold up in court, every report when he filed that suit, it was like, well, there goes his chance for a head coaching job. Every single report, report that came out. Who cares like, what the report Joe says? Blow, but the, blog, every, but report. Why would they? Because that's, that's everyone that talks to everyone around the league. You so talk what? to GMs. You talk to owners. You talk to the he league. got to the final round of interviews with the Texans. That was, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. Everyone knows that so was phony. Well, what about, was. what about the other argument that like he filed the suit because he knew he wasn't getting any of the jobs? That, that's fine. Right? But, so he already knew he, already knew he was out on it. That's why I said... I was like, there's no way I would have made those no conditions to this to this bet. There's no way I would have made the bet. But in this case, I think it, it does go to close to your example. It's close. It's very close to it's not there. once you file the suit, you're not getting a job. Practical all practicality, you're not getting a job. No. You're not. I, well, I mean it's okay, it's like, but, it's like but, 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 I'm gonna bet this okay, I'm gonna bet that, you know, Jimmy Smith, just random guy, is gonna hit a home run this year. In, in baseball, and then he he actually he gets his arms amputated. You're like, well, technically, can still hit a home run. No, no, no. He could. No, it's, it's possible. More like, it's more like you bet that Jimmy Smith's going to hit a home run, and then Jimmy Smith gets up there and lays down a butt. He had control of his own actions. No, he the coach. The coach. No, 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 no. The, no. the player did though. The player made the choice. It's not some outside influence that just made it impossible for him to actually pursue this, right? It's his actions. Sure. So so Jimmy laid down a bunt, and you're like, dude. 
It was the perfect situation. You had a 3-0 fastball down the middle. Or, Why are you laying down okay. a bunt? Nobody okay. does that. What if we bet that he's going to hit a home run this at bat and they intentionally walk him? <laughs> I think it's still within the foresee. It's about foreseeability. Is it foreseeable that this thing could happen? And I think the answer is yes. It was absolutely foreseeable at the time the bet was made. Coming back, we got to address the uh, Matt Stafford gaffe. Or is he going to be in trouble under the good Samaritan law? I could have helped that lady. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. We're learning from them. They've been the trendsetters, the trailblazers in this fight for equal pay. But we're all learning, like I said, and you're seeing it trickle into other areas and not just sports. I think a lot of women across the country, no matter what field they're in, are going to learn from this, are going to be able to use this in their own fight. We might not be the beneficiaries, but the next generation won't have to fight. And that's what it's all about. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. That was the voice of Sue Bird on the way back. WNBA legend talking about the U.S. women's national team in soccer winning a big decision. We'll hit on that tonight. We do more of this, our legal podcast, 9 o'clock on Wednesday nights. So let's get to the Matt Stafford story if there's anything there. So last week he's on a stage. He may have been inebriated. That was kind of the excuse a lot of us use for his, his actions. A woman backs up. Photographer falls off the stage. He basically says, oh, F, turns around. His wife kind of acts like she cares. She's not going to jump down 10 feet. Um, but there were so many people who said, that guy's a low character, dude. Why didn't he help? And then I did see one commenter say, just simply, good Samaritan law. I'm like, I don't think that's people real. Watch, people watch too much TV, Seinfeld. TV show. <laughs> yeah. So on the on the side of uh, Stafford doing nothing, if, if, if he could quickly process legally, like his legal risks there, what are they? Oh, no legal risk at all. I mean, the only way he would have any sort of legal risk is if he had hired her as a photographer. And Adam told me during the break she was hired by the Rams. But if he had hired her, and was aware that there was impending danger and failed to warn her, then he would have a duty, in essence, to save her from that or or rescue her from any further danger after the fall occurred. But none of those apply here. And I'll just say, like, from a moral perspective, anybody who's passing judgment in that moment, I feel like has not really lived a full life. Like, well, they I haven't been drunk for Yeah, one like... <laughs> Have you, God, I can think of two very like poignant examples in my life where like somebody got hurt, but at the, in the moment, everybody was like, Ooh, and we just kind of went about our business. But then the person was like really hurt. And like I, one, one instance was in high school where like a, a, we were all on cross country team going from one side to the other. One dude was riding in the back. He got up to like throw something at the other car. The car took off. He flew out the back. And we all sort of laughed it off and like everybody went around and just thought he was going to hop in the next car that was behind us. And it turns out he like broke in his arm. The dude who was in the like people got arrested and turned into this whole thing. But like my reaction wasn't like, hey, we must stop. Something happened. You know, like I, I my reaction was like, whoa, I was at a local bar not that long ago and everybody was having a good time drinking and a girl fell down dancing and was very hurt. And yeah. we laughed about it. Yeah. 
So it happens. It happens. Like I, I, I don't pass any judgment, and I, and I've done that almost exact same thing. Where it's like the, the raise the shoulders, make the switch face, like ooh, okay, and then I'm gonna go about to the other part of the party, right? Like I'm gonna go over here and act like that didn't just happen. So I mean, the fact that they're like going over the top to pay all of her medical bills, they don't have any obligation to do that. Um, that they are, you know, paying for her camera to be fixed, they don't have any obligation to do that. I mean, are they probably trying to do a little bit of it to save face? Sure. Sure. Of course. Um, You know, and talk about it on her podcast and like telling their side of the story. But I thought he was pretty honest. He was like, listen, I wish that wasn't my reaction. Yeah. But it was. Of course. And I didn't, you know, I didn't think I didn't think she was hurt. No, we fully fall. But and by the way, he was trash. Yeah, of course. Like, (laughs) you have no idea how you're going to react to that situation. Totally. Yeah. So I don't legally speaking, he's in like zero trouble. Uh, and and there is no good Samaritan law. No one is no one is obligated by law to help someone unless you cause the peril. That's what I mean. If he had hired her, was aware that there was something dangerous about where she was standing and what she was doing, failed to warn her. And then she fell. Now, here's the key part. Now, does he have to jump down and save her? Only if there's more imper- peril, right? Yeah. She's already, the, the, the incident's already occurred. It's right. not like there's crocodiles down there that she <laughs> needs to dive into and pull, and pull them out of their teeth, right? It's already happened. So any obligation to act further would only be to the extent that she's continuing to get damaged as a so result. So if, if she fell into like a, the, the pit at the zoo with the gorillas. Right. Oh, that's a good example. Or, or if she had such a, such an injury that it was time sensitive, Sure. right? Like she ruptured a spleen or something and like need to get to the hospital immediately. And every minute counts that kind of thing. But he didn't cause the, he didn't cause the peril. He didn't hire her. He's not the reason that she was standing there. He's not the reason. Well, I mean, other than she was trying to take a photo right. of him, but he's not, I'm sure he's not aware of any dangers at so that point. He's so lit, so, everything seems so fine. So good thing she didn't bleed out is what yeah. we're, <laughs> we're saying. That would have been bad. Right. But it would have been, if anybody was going to get sued for that, it would have been the Rams. And then the Ram. it would have been a question of, we didn't even tell her to get on that stage. Whoever we constructed yeah, the stage. Too. Yeah, exactly. Like, we, we told her not to get on the stage. Yeah. She was supposed to take photos from over here. And she jumped up on the stage. And it would be this whole back and forth. Justin, good spot. Thanks, guys. There he is, Justin Watkins. We'll hear him again tonight, 9 o'clock, local time. You can watch it at Steve Cofield on YouTube and up on Twitter. Our legal podcast coming up in just a little bit. Right now, giveaway, caller 7, 364-1100, four-pack of tickets to the uh, men's semifinal for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Friday, that's March 11th, should be a hell of a semifinals. You can get your own tickets at unlvtickets.com. Caller 7 right now, semifinals for the tournament, 364-1100. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today.